Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. And welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. I think a Boston accent just kind of came out of me when I said podcast. I said podcast. Podcast. Did you hear that? No. Sammy, did you hear that? Just me, huh? Just Just in your head. Well, I was just working on my best Ben Affleck impression. (laughs) How do you like them apples? I think Matt Damon actually that was Matt says Damon. that. Yeah, but right. I like imitating their Boston, their pretend Boston accents. Maybe they have real ones. I don't know, but podcast just came out. How are you doing? Dory, I'm fresh from Comic-Con, where I met Forever 35 listeners. Yay! And it is a thrill every time. I mean, you're remarkably fresh for someone who just came from Comic-Con. I only spent 24 hours at Comic-Con. Smart. Or maybe 36. It was very quick. I rested. I watched some Queer Eye. 
thought about Antony and his leather pants. You really did the Forever 35 version of Comic-Con. I kind of did. I got to the hotel I was staying at and then I just like ordered food, locked myself in my room, yes, put on my pajamas and watched Queer Eye and Shit's Creek. And then I went to bed at 1045 and I woke up at 745, which is nine hours of sleep. Yes. Which I never get. Um, but I did want to mention it was really sweet. And this has happened now meeting listeners of the podcast. They're always so gentle with me because I have talked so much about having social anxiety. <laughs> They're all like, is it okay? (laughs) And I have to be like, you know what's funny? I'm a very extroverted, socially anxious person. So I love meeting and talking to people. Also, I feel like there's a difference between like someone coming up to you one-on-one who's a fan of the podcast versus being like thrown into a sea of strangers like at a party. Totally. Totally. That is very true. Um, So people, it was, that was just really cool. One, one person was from, from Illinois, a couple listeners from the OC in San Diego. Yeah, it was just thrilling. That is great. So hello (laughs) to those of you I met at Comic-Con. It was so nice to meet you. Thank you for introducing yourself. Anyway, other than that, Dory, I just can't stop oiling my face. Ooh. I want to oil my face all day long. And does your skin feel supple? It feels amazing. Like I'm starting to feel like I'm losing it a little bit Mm -hmm. because I have this new routine I've been doing where I moisturize and then I put so much oil on my face like I want my face to be like shimmering do you do it in the morning also today I did wow I'm also carrying around so um Wander Beauty sent us some products and Mm -hmm. they have this kind of like face mist that has oil in it Mm -hmm. and I have been using it it's here in my that's the other thing I've been doing I've been spritzing myself I have two sprays in my bag, so you can just hear me rummaging around. I've got my Caudalie Beauty Water, but then I have this Glow Getter Mist from Wonder Beauty mm-hmm. that when I'm not looking oily enough, I spray on my face. Now, what is happening? Because don't you recall the whole goal of your teen years was to not be oily at all? Yeah, it was like to look as dry as possible, <laughs> matte like, like as a corpse. <laughs> now I can't stop looking oily. I, all I want to do is look well, have like now, a sheen. Yeah, now it's like you look dewy. I tell you what though, the oil, yes, I think dewy, you're right. That is a look and there's this whole like obviously trends change yes. and, and things change, but it it does make me chuckle. I can't stop spraying myself with oils and spritzes and Well, you do look radiant. I have been I just I love going to bed with like the the slipperiest face imaginable. Do you have like a satin pillowcase? No, I just have like whatever I bought at Ikea many years ago. Yeah, I just, I wonder, I wonder about how much of it like rubs off. Do you sleep on your back? This is a great question. I try to start on my back, Mm -hmm. but I always end up in the fetal position on my Mm -hmm. side. Mm -hmm. So my pillow is also getting very shiny, I'm sure. But I have noticed it feels like it's really absorbing deeply into my skin. Which oil are you using? I was using Vintner's Daughter, which I like a lot, but I have returned to the Botnia oil mm. that they very kindly gave us. And it's ju- my skin is just like slurping it back like a 7-Eleven big gulp. It's just like <laughs> this Botnia oil. So I'm just like wow. smearing it. That's great. You know, this is where I'm at right now. Um, You asked what else is new with me. I went through a little bit of a low Mm. in processing 
just my like diet culture, body image issues, mm. um, which was that I felt the tug of wanting to restrict my eating. Oh, I felt that the siren call of what do you think that, that was shit. about? It, just getting drawn back into the to the the pull of it. I mean, it is it is like. Um, I don't want to use the word addictive, but there is something very tempting. Like, oh, if I just do this, it will lead me to this outcome, which will m- make me happier. And I know all that well, is it, a lie it and feels, not true. It feels like it could be a form of control. That is also definitely true. Um, and I also have really come to understand that the more you restrict or go on a diet, the the worse off your body. Your body just starts. Your body gets very mad. Yes, it's it's confusing mm-hmm. to the body. This is my limited, not a nutritionist understanding of things. So I know that that's not the right choice for me. I also know that restrictive eating is not um, what I want to be doing. Yeah, but it's still very hard to um, resist. But how great that you caught yourself. Well, I also talked it out with some friends, and I felt very supported. Good and very seen. And I know that it's a thing many people are experiencing all the time. And that was really, that was helpful. Good. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a pro it's a constant process. It is a constant process. I don't know if it will ever not be a process, but here I am with my $17 whole food salad that I brought to your house. It was quite, I put it in the fridge. It was quite heavy. You know, when you go to a salad bar and you're just like, this looks good. This looks good. Yeah. And then you like, it's like the, the, it's like a kettlebell by the time you're done with it. It, it it was it was like I could have done some tricep curls. You could have. You could have gotten some supple shape. Uh yes, when the person who rang me up was like seventeen dollars, I felt I felt horrified. Anyway, I'm loving your haircut. Oh thanks. When was the last time you got a haircut? It has been a very long time. I was pregnant. I remember this, but it was a long time ago. At least six months? At least six months. Maybe eight to nine? Possibly. Um, it's, been a, it's been a really long time. Because um, I feel like I now like remember your things that happened because we talk about yeah. them. And I haven't heard a haircut come up in many moons. Yeah. Well, you know, I had the thing happen where my hair got thicker when I was pregnant. Got it. Um, which apparently is just that you, not as much hair falls out while you're pregnant. I see. So it's like not like hair, new hair follicles are growing in. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, And I was like really enjoying that and like leaning into it and just like let it grow. I was like, I'm just going to let my hair grow long. And so I did. And then finally I was like, my hair is real long and I need a haircut. So I went to see my, my hairdresser. Your trusty stylist. Curie is his name. Um, and I had my hair up on a scrunchie and I took it down. He's like, Oh my God, <laughs> you, your hair, your hair has been short, consistently short and for years. Thin. Yeah. He was like, you have so much hair. And like, I don't have so much hair, but compared to what I used to have, he was like, Oh my God. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to lose it soon. And he's like, you might not. And I was like, I'm gonna, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to get myself like excited that like, this is my new hair. I know it does come out. Um, but he was like, well, while you still have it, let's embrace it. And I was like, okay. Um, so I had to give me a lob. It looks great. Thank you. 
It's very fresh. It's like a fresh summer cut, but you kept the length. It still feels long. Yeah, or but, in my, but he in cut off like a couple inches. Wow. I know. I know. Anyway, so that's been, that was exciting. Um, I'm also not wearing nail polish for the first time in ages. Tell me about that choice. Well, the choice was... Your nails still look very nice. Oh, thank you. I filed them. Oh, good work. Um, you know, I've been doing these powder dip nails. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, but it was getting to be difficult to take the time to go get them done. It's a lengthy process. It is a lengthy process. Also, you know, I love them. I love how my nails look at them. I love how long they last. But like, it can't be good to be like inhaling those particles. <laughs> I, I have the same thoughts every time I um, go. So I was like, yeah. you know what? I'm just going to give my nails a break. So the last time I went to get my nails done, I just got a regular manicure. And I had it on for like two or three weeks and it, it looked really bad. It was like chipping and and my cuticles were getting like really ragged. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take off this nail polish. I'm just going to go bare. Naked nails. Naked nails and see what happens. I'm about to make that choice as well because Ooh. I have a powder dip on. I'm going to get it taken off and then just go bare nail for a while. Yeah. Feels good. Yeah. I'm ready and for it. And it's like, it's nice to just like look at my hands and be like, oh, these are my fingernails. This is what they look like. This is what they look like. Um, well, I think it looks very nice. Well, thank you. I like you. that you're embracing all these little sides of yourself. Oh, thanks, Kate. Because it is true. I think I've only ever seen you with a manicure. You were yeah. like consistent. Yeah. It was like a thing that I did every week. And then I found powder dip and I was doing that every like two to three weeks. Also, my nails were getting really long when I did powder dip, which was kind of fun, but also kind of annoying. Because mm-hmm, then you're like, walking it's around like with hard claws. to type it's very it's hard for me to like open and close things yeah like people who have really long nails like kylie jenner i'm like do you like do you do anything i think how yes. do you even like post to instagram i think you adapt it's it's like okay like i think your body just starts to learn how to work with long nails because whenever when i had nail extensions that were longer than anything i'd ever had in my hands at first, I like couldn't get my contacts out of my eyeballs oh. because the nails were so long, I was scratching myself. Right. But oh then my you gosh. just kind of learned how to use your hands differently. Wow. Yeah, I think Like Edward possible. Scissorhands had to do. Dory. Or they call back Dory to... brushing. I can't. I can't do it again. <laughs> Dory brush hands. Uh, I can't. I just can't. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to think about it now for the rest of this episode. <laughs> I brought it back. So, Dory, six months ago. Yes. We made six-month intentions. We did. Which I had honestly forgotten, like, recently that we had done this. Same. I mean, we've had a few things going on. We have. And I, I will think, I would think about them and then I'd be like, uh-huh, I'm doing it. Yeah. And then I would just, like, it would just fall to the wayside. Totally. But then we realized recently that it had been six months yeah. since we made these kind of a long-term, I wouldn't say goals, but just intentions, intentions really is the word yeah. because you intend to try it, but exactly. you don't have to. And so it has been fun to revisit these and we wanted to share and just kind of do a little recap. Yeah. And let me first preface this by saying that listeners, if you played along and also did six-month intentions, we would love to hear what they are and what the outcome was. Yes. 
And if you're setting new ones in this round, it seems to be like July and December is when we've done this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So should we recap? Yes, let's recap. Okay. Dory, your intentions were actually join a synagogue. Mm-hmm. Prepare for the baby, but also try to be at peace with the things I can't control Mm -hmm. and launch a personal project. Yes. So I'm actually going to, so I'll start from the beginning, the synagogue one. I am actually going to a tot Shabbat this weekend. So can you tell our listeners what a, what Shabbat is and how it is the Sabbath. Um, and synagogues will often have, a, a a kind of modified service. I think it's mostly kind of like someone playing a guitar and maybe like some art projects or something um, for kids on Saturday mornings. And I was like, I kind of, you know, that would be a nice entree into a synagogue and I could bring Henry and just kind of see what the vibe is. And I found one um, at a synagogue that I'm actually curious about. That's not too far from me. And I'm going to go this weekend. Um, in the course of doing some research on synagogues, I was again reminded how expensive it is to join a synagogue, especially when you're joining as a family. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like $4,500 a Wowie year. Wow, zowie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So I feel like I'm going to have to really be committed to this. Yeah, yeah. Especially because you are putting money away. Yep. And you're yeah, we're trying and, to, to buy a house. Yeah. And so it's, a, you know, so maybe now is not the time to actually join because there's still a lot of things you can do without actually joining. And I could just buy tickets for the High Holy Days, you know, independently. It would be it would be expensive, but it would be a lot less than forty five hundred dollars. So, you know, there's there's a few kind of options that I'm that I'm mulling over. Um, but I emailed the coordinator of the Tat Shabbat just to be like, is it cool, you know, if I'm not a member and I come and she was like, totally. And she's been super nice. And, um, so we'll see. That's exciting. Yeah. So I, I, I'm feeling cautiously optimistic about this. I'd been sort of scoping out this other synagogue. That's a new synagogue here in LA. And I finally decided that right now I don't have the energy to like start something to be part of starting something. Yeah. You want something that's already kind of established. I want something that's already established. Um, and I had to have a real, I mean, this doesn't really make sense in the context of what I'm saying, but I had to real, have a real come to Jesus about this. (laughs) I mean, he was Jewish. He was, you can come to Jesus. Yes. Um, because I would like to be a person who is, you know, down with, being super involved and helping out and being cool with like if one week services are at this place and the next week they're somewhere else. And, and I was just finally like, I, I'm not this, I'm not in the right place for this right now. And that's totally fine. Yeah. So also it sounds really like you really listened to yourself and you made the what? best decision for yourself. I did. So I think I did. We'll see. Well, thank you, Jesus, for thank helping you, Dory through Jesus. that. <laughs> um, and then in terms of preparing for the baby, but also trying to be at peace with the things I can't control, I feel like I was pretty good about this. Yeah, you were. I mean, that was, that's a, it, that's an intention that lasted the, almost the full six months Yes, because you are, you know, you're pregnant and, and 
I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But so when we did this, I, I must. I was in my second trimester, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I was feeling better. I wasn't sick anymore, um, and I ended up having like a pretty great second and third trimester. Um, it wasn't until kind of close to the end that there were a couple of things that came up. And then of course, you know, having to be induced, that was the sort of like, okay, I guess this is just what it's going to be, you know? Yeah. And I just had to be okay with it. Um, and then you had a C-section and then I had a C-section and again, like not what I wanted. Yeah. Um, but you know, I got Henry pretty great outcome Pretty great outcome and i'm using a silicone strip on my scar still with us you still have it on yeah still using it cool yeah i can't wait to see what your scar looks like i'll show it to you i mean mine is kind of <laughs> mine's actually pretty most people don't notice it i've found yeah i mean it's so like low it is truly like the like greeting line of your pubic hair. Yeah. So unless I started wearing like super low cut bikinis, which never say never, never say never, but I would say unlikely. Uh, I, it's not going to be exposed to the world. And even if it was, it would be like, so what this is, this is my battle scar or your beauty scar. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and then launching a personal project, I think it just turns out that my personal project was Henry, but you also sold a book during this time. Oh, I did. You know what? I forgot about the timing of this. But, but I mean, truly, so I did launch a Henry personal is project. your personal Henry project. Henry is my personal project, but I also, I did also sell a book, um, that I'm really excited about. Yeah. I mean, I'm really excited and about. And I'm, I'm, I've been working on it a little bit. It's due in December. So I really need to start amping it up in the next couple of weeks. No big deal. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. And we're currently discussing like when it's going to actually come out, which is crazy. It's a real it's thing. It's a real thing. I can't wait to read it. Thanks, Kate. I can't wait to have you read it. Send me all those early drafts. Oh, I will. Um, so yeah, so I think actually I, I, I turned out, maybe I, maybe I set the bar low, but I, I think I, I think I did. I think I did okay. Can we just say though, there's no such thing. Of setting the bar low. Okay. Like there should, I don't think there should be when you, whenever you kind of, in anything, when you set any sort of goal or intention for yourself. Yeah. That's fair. You know, it's, it's what we can handle. It's true. It's true. Well. And so your intentions were to complete a first draft of a novel, Mm -hmm. to continue to be socially active while also calming down my brain. What does that even mean? And continue to work on myself, find balance. And to keep with your former intentions, read more, get off my phone, enjoy time with my kids. So how did you do with these? Well, first one, complete a first draft of a novel. I did it. You did that. I did it. Check mate. Yes. I did it. It's so, it's so, it's so amazing. If nothing ever comes of it, at least I did that. But you did it. I did it. That was very exciting. I have never done it before and I did it. Now I know I can do it. Yep. Now what is left in its wake is just 50 to 60,000 words that I now am trying to mold into something and it's okay. terrifying and I'm having a constant running anxiety attack about it, but I'm plugging away. You are plugging away. The second one, continue to be socially active while also calming down my brain. I truly don't know. What do I mean here? I think... I, I 
I think what you meant, well, actually, I don't want to speak for you. Oh, no, please do. I think actually what you meant was sort of what you said, what you wrote here. You wrote, I need to do more. And I think maybe you you meant like you you don't want to beat yourself up about it, but also that like calming down your brain about not doing enough because yeah. there's so much to do. I truly still don't feel like I am doing enough to help make the world a better place. But I also know that the small things add up. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember that and trying to play my part in making this a more fair and just world for people. But I feel like that's going to be an intention for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I do. So I'm going to keep at it. Great. Calming down my brain. I think that kind of continues with the next one of continuing to work on myself and find balance. I wrote here on our notes, balance is bullshit, question mark, because like I, I actually hate when people are like, learn to find balance, work-life balance. And this yeah. is like, there's no such thing. Yeah. I, I do feel like I have have a better sense of like who, who I am and how I want to exist in the human world. Yeah. I'm starting to slowly get in, get more centered on that. Good. So if that, that's my answer to that one. And then keeping with former intentions, reading more, getting off my phone and enjoying time with my kids. I have definitely read so much more this year. Yeah. I I know you have. And that's been really satisfying. And I think I'm also doing a great, good job with my kids. Great job. Good job. To this morning, they gave me my birthday present, which was a heart necklace that breaks into three pieces. And one side said big sis and one side said little sis. And the middle part said mom. No. Yeah. And this is it. Sammy, are you going to cry? Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't cry. I mean, you can cry. We support crying. Did you cry cry. when they gave it to you? I didn't. But I was very touched. Yeah. It was really, you know, it's a beautiful necklace. It's from How Claire's. How did they even like, oh, it's from Claire's. They often give me presents from Claire's. That is so sweet. Yeah, it really, that, this really struck me as very, very, it was really sweet. It really moved me. And then they also showed me like their cool chokers that they bought. They really went to Claire's with their allowance money this weekend and just wow. went to town. Wow. Yeah. So that was really, that I was really moved. I have a really great relationship with my daughters and I, I do feel like we like, we have good boundaries, but yeah. they feel like they can come to me about stuff. Um, okay. The phone. The phone's a crisis. Yeah. Haven't solved it, but I, I will say one of my big excuses with the phone was my husband was out of town so much this, right. this past year that I was like, but I need it by my bed. I need it because in, what it, what if in case da, 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 emergencies, but now, but he's, now he's back and I really need, I have been thinking about like, what are some boundaries I can set with my phone? Can I commit to like plugging it in at 930 and then also saying for me, my lights out is at 1030. So I get the sleep I need. Maybe. So I need to start revisiting that feeling. Do you still keep your phone out of your bedroom? Yeah. You're so good at that. It's just such a habit now. But I do have an iPad in the bedroom. It doesn't have my email or Facebook hooked up or Instagram. But you use it for reading. I mostly use it for reading. Although like lately I've also been like reading the news on it, Mm -hmm. which I don't really want to be doing. So I'm going to have to sort of think a little bit more about that. But the phone is away. You're not texting. Yeah. I think, I think I need to really, really think about it. I'm not on Facebook or Instagram, which are like my two big time sucks. Mm -hmm. 
I feel you. So those that's where we are with intentions. I think the only you and I chatted a little bit about maybe not setting intentions at this moment, especially because you have a still a new child. I do. Like your intention is just to get through the day. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying that, but I'm assuming that's. Yeah. yeah. That was kind of my thought. My only intention is that I want to finish what I started. So I finished my first draft. That was an intention I set six months ago. I would say in six months, I want to have the thing done to hand off here. Oh, well, you know what? I can, I can set a related intention, which is I want to hand my book in on time. Okay. How about when you hand your book in, I'm going to have a draft of my novel fully completed. Okay. Well, my book is due December 1st. Done. Great. We'll do this as a book, a book tension. Yeah. Great. That will help me. I think that'll help both of us. Stay on it. Yep. We got it. We solved it. Accountability partners. Oh, you know who would be so proud of us? G. Rubin, our future guest. Future guest Gretchen Rubin. That's a preview. Yeah, that's a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I will say I did also get Gretchen's book from the library Mm -hmm. because I need to know more about myself. Mm -hmm. Future spoiler. Well, Dory. Well, let's take a little break. And then when we come back, we're going to hear from Dr. Alexandra Sachs, who has some really great insights about motherhood and pregnancy and she was great to talk to so we'll be right back quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, Even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden 
or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or, or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever 35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings, there's nights out, it's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And What I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. 
Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Okay, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like I I I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires and just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, "Oh, God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. Once you once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. Our guest today is Dr. Alexandra Sachs. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, we're so excited to talk to you. She is a reproductive psychiatrist affiliated with the Columbia University Medical Center and the co-author of What No One Tells You, A Guide to Your Emotions from Pregnancy to Motherhood and the host of Motherhood Sessions, a podcast with Gimlet Media hailed by the New York Times as consistently riveting. It tells us something about media as well as about motherhood. Um, and we are so excited to talk to you. Uh, we loved your book and we love your podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Before we get into the meat of your book, and there's a lot to talk about, um, could you just kind of briefly tell our listeners, what is a reproductive psychiatrist? Yeah, sure. So what I, the work I do now is um, a part of this field, but the the central traditional aspect of the field I also do. And that's around advising women around medication safety when they're planning a pregnancy or they are pregnant or they're breastfeeding. So something as simple as can I stay on my Prozac or I have postpartum depression. I need to take Prozac. Can I breastfeed? Reproductive psychiatrists are the only professionals who are trained in this expert knowledge. And so that's that's why people come to us for consultation. But beyond that, we have this wonderful privilege of working with women at this these moments of fascinating transformation. And um, those happen often around life stage changes. So people come to me when they're thinking about getting pregnant. People come to me after they've become a mom, people come to me around menopause. Um, and then, you know, there are people who are curious about their monthly hormonal cycle and how it impacts their mood and to be assessed for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So there are all different types of, of things that we learn about and think about um, that I hope are going to become more mainstream for medical professionals and therapists at large in terms of being curious about the female brain and um, and the female experience in our culture and society, tr truly, um, I think in terms of even just knowing about rates of um, sexual violence is a, is a big part of a story that any woman is going to walk in having had that touch some part of her life, just considering the rates of how pervasive it is in our culture. But but also, you know, what sort of the estrogen cycle, um, how that impacts 
all different parts of your body, including your brain, and how those hormonal fluctuations contribute to how you feel. It's it's a field that is really trying to deepen and expand the research on that. And it's a field that's also trying to challenge the tradition of, you know, treating your mental health is optional. So if we don't know 100% about medication safety, you should just drop it. And that has been, had been the history of how people oriented towards antidepressants in pregnancy until we started seeing things like, not only moms, but babies actually didn't do so well when the moms were taken off their treatment or prevented to get adequate treatment for for um, anxiety and depression. And, and so to just really honor that just like asthma, just like diabetes, um, we have to treat all sorts of conditions that come up during pregnancy. And it's best for the mother-baby unit to do so. And we don't include pregnant women in clinical trials. That is how the FDA is organized. So we don't have safety information that looks like other classes, but we do have a lot of data at this point. Um, and can talk to people about the rel- relative risk um, in, a, in, a, in a very informed way um, that empowers people to make their own decisions. So it's really just about honoring that the mom remains a human during pregnancy and in motherhood and that her health is important, not just for her, but because the, the baby is entering the world through that human and even in a non-birthing mother, the baby is intimately connected to the mother's overall well-being. And so we, we, we need to prioritize that in terms of, um, I really think of it as preventative child psychiatry. <laughs> the more interest we can, we can invest in the well-being um, and support of mothers, which is emotional, which is, I think, at this point in our culture, also socioeconomic. Um, the more we can invest in the well-being of mothers, the more we will prevent problems in that come up in the next generation when um, children are raised in home with mothers who are um, in need, who are in need, who are suffering and are in need. You know, I think it's just it's just um, clear that in in order to be able to give your, your own cup has to be full. And, you know, that's really what what my work is about. This is kind of a broad question. And it, this, yeah. there, I don't know if there is an answer to this, but how how are we supposed to do that in a culture that doesn't doesn't actually value the mother's well being? You know, we we I'm speaking specifically to American culture. We have listeners all around the world, yeah. but yeah, you know, we aren't our 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 culture is not set up to support women and new mothers, especially. Um, in, with socioeconomic challenges. So I'm I'm curious, like, how can we then go about to do that individually when we aren't always existing in a space where that is available to us? Yeah, I mean, I guess I have two answers to that question. Um, and I'm really only an expert in one. I can talk about the, the, the how I would answer that question on an individual level, but then I can talk about how I'd answer that question on a social level. I'll start with just my opinion on a social level. Um, I, I don't think that we should accept that as the state of, um, how mothers in America are treated. Um, I, I, I think that we need to be demanding more supports for mothers and more subsidized childcare, um, universal family leave, including paternity leave that fathers actually take. I, th- I think that needs to be a big part of what women advocate for in our country. Um, And I think it needs to be relentless until we have it because 
it's not only bad for health, it's bad for the economy um, to not um, enable women to be able to work, take care of themselves and take care of their families. So there's that. I think we, it's, it's just an unacceptable state and we, and we need to keep talking about that. Um, but I also think on an individual level, respecting that you and the mothers you know are trying to keep your head, head above water in a system that doesn't support mothers and that, you know, historically, the average American family is not living with with their elder generation. So we're we're in we're in work environments that that don't support the well-being of a caretaker. And in our own homes, we don't really have the the family structures traditionally now where we can lean on other family members to help take care of children. So we really we really need to um remember that every every mother you encounter is working within that ecosystem and i think it's really about asking people how they're doing and paying it forward you know when you see another mom ask her how she's doing ask her how you can help you know and and hope that someone who sees you will do the same um and to demand more from your partner if you have one you know to to not to not to, to walk into parenthood with a curiosity about how our culture is different in an unacceptable way and to talk about that in your relationship because you really have to you really have to compensate for it in the in the private domain of your home because you're not you're not getting that support from um, subsidized government supported or, or largely corporate resources so you know is your partner going to take the leave that they're offered um, which which weekend morning are they going to be getting up early? You know, this is like an example where let's say a woman is not working outside the home and her partner is. And then on 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 weekends, he gets to sleep in because those are his days off. Well, she doesn't get a day off if she's a full time stay at home mom. So which day on the weekend does she get to sleep in and he'll get up and, and do that early shift? So I, I think it's including your partner early in the pregnancy. Um I think it's really important that partners feel a sense of investment and pride in this um, transition to parenthood. And I think that's a part of that is in involving them in decisions, decisions around childbirth, decisions around learning about the pregnancy. And um, I, I think that that keys partners up to be more to feel more valued and to not just feel like you know, an aside to the birthing experience, but that they are central. They are a central parent and they are 50% valuable. And then they are 50% expected to also be caretakers. So um, those are some things that come to mind. But generally what I talk about is looking within and knowing that, especially because it's our, our culture is not going to do it for you, to, to, you have to really protect your self-care. Um, it Taking care of a baby is a full-time job emotionally and logistically. And you just can't do it if you're not taking care of yourself. And in a culture where no one's taking care of you, you have to take care of yourself. And you have to ask other people to pitch in to take care of the baby so that you can. So that's kind of my general psychological frame to this larger problem. But I, I truly hope that um, we're, we're going to see a shift in this in future generations. And I, and I actually, I, I mean, I think people are really talking about it in a, in a way that um, is, is I do feel hopeful um, as far as how women are learning to articulate um, how our 
culture needs to catch up to others um, in terms of enabling mothers to also function and thrive in other ways and contribute in other ways. Um, so I, I hope that that um, I think every wave of feminism, we have accomplished so much. I mean, I, I think even I, 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 I mean, I'm very interested in how prior generations didn't talk about motherhood that much in the sense that I think in order to be taken seriously in the workplace, there was a tradition around like female lawyers, female doctors, female journalists, whatever. Like, don't talk about your kids. You want to be taken seriously for your career. But now, and it's it's not that easy. And I, I encounter this when I'm doing speaking in places. But now I think there's a less fear around that, less fear about talking about your families. And I think, I think and hope that that's true for male and female workers. And I just think, you know, I think we, so, so now we can acknowledge that women are both workers and have families. And so the conversations are beginning and ha, like, what's the next phase of what the women of America demand? Um, because it's just pretty basic human rights <laughs> support. Yeah. Um, just to shift to your book a little bit, one part mm-hmm. that really stuck out to both of us was um, when you talk about reframing shameful thoughts. And yeah. I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, sure. So this connects to what I was talking about before in terms of um, trusting your instincts versus second guessing yourself in your motherhood experience. You know, I think it goes back to the paradigm of, am I a bad mom? Is that feeling bad? Um, and, and, and I think again, it's this like archetype, the scary archetype that everyone is fearful of because we're all aware of the ways in which our parents kind of misfired with us. Like no parents are perfect. And so we're aware of the things that our parents gave us that we want to pass on to our kids and that we absolutely do not want to pass on to our kids. And so a, a part of the the wish of, of, of motherhood and new motherhood is that you're going to do better. And so I think that that comes with this tremendous pressure. Like I better not make any mistakes. And then I better, it's like this, this, this slippery slope into the quote, bad mother category. So I, I just think the first and foremost thing is to trust that if you love your child, that will keep you afloat to be a good enough mother. And there's no such thing as a perfect mother um, it's just, there is no one perfect way to mother for most simply, but even if there were human beings are not robots and they can't execute anything perfectly, including, including relationships. So your baby does not need you to be perfect. Like evolution has given wiggle room considering that humans can't be perfect at anything. So, you know, if you set the intention with love, your caretaking will be good enough. And that's what good enough parenting is what your child needs to be healthy psychologically and physically and in all the other ways that you want. So you to to basically when you're criticizing yourself and in your head to say to yourself, well, what, what, what did I learn from this experience that I want to consider differently for next time? Like what is something constructive that I could take away from this thought and note it and maybe write it down. But beyond that to say, this is like motherhood is not for performance reviews. It's just like it, it's it's an ongoing relationship. You know, the time you're spending in your head feeling ashamed of any particular thing, you know, g- giving your child more screen time than you wanted that day. The time you're berating yourself in your head, 
you're not spending with your child who may be actually in front of you while you're <laughs> beating yourself up in your head. You're not spending um, on yourself, like going for a walk or taking a bath or calling a friend to fill your cup so that you have more bandwidth to give to parenting. You know, you're just, you're actually like stepping away from the actual experience of motherhood when you're in your head ruminating and criticizing yourself. And to just try to catch yourself doing it and know that it's, it's okay to reflect and to um, try to learn something and, and, and consider trying it differently for next time. But that's really where we use guilt. We want, we want to use guilt as a productive emotion. If, if there's something tugging at you that you think maybe you, you want to do differently, think about what you want to do differently. But shame is different. Shame is guilt is saying, I think I did something bad. Shame is saying, I think I am bad. And and I, I think when you're getting into that place and when you're you're worried about your core goodness as a mother, it's a time to talk to other people. It's a time to reach out to your friends, reach out to other mothers, go online. I try to foster this in my um, community with a motherhood unfiltered project. Um, go online and, and, and put out your story and hear about other people's stories. But you will hear that this shameful thing that you did, lots of people do every day and and their children are fine and you can recover and move on, you know, and, and that there's, there's, you're not alone. You're not in this special, special, specially horrible category of bad mother. You're, you're imperfect. And that means you are in the club with everybody else. So I think another thing that people can do is to really, um, and I think this goes back to your question about what, what can we do in our culture, considering our culture, you can practice radical honesty and, you know, try to catch yourself when you're glossing over the difficult aspects of parenting. Um, and to, because know that every time you're presenting yourself as perfect, there may be another mom who is listening or looking who may in that moment be feeling ashamed because they, they know they're not perfect, you know? So to, so to try to, of course, we want to use social media as a, as a opportunity for celebration and as an opportunity to sort of escape and, um, and focus on life's joys and pleasures. But it is also a place where I think people who feel isolated can go to connect to each other. And I think it's, it's very important to be, to, sh to share, um, the, the wide range of, of the emotions that come with motherhood, which involves celebration and success. And they also involve worry, anger, feelings of failure, feelings of regret. Those are natural emotions of healthy motherhood. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning, in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, One Skin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed, 
They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting-edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. OneSkin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I wanted to ask you about setting boundaries because I love in the section of your book when you're talking about labor and delivery um, and kind of who gets to be there and who's in the room and how to, you know, how to manage family and visitors. You write, we encourage you to be thoughtful, deliberate, and even self-centered as you set the rules. And I thought this was great advice, not just for the experience of managing people around labor, but also just in general. I think becoming a parent requires you to set new boundaries with with family members and friends. And that can be really, really hard. And Mm -hmm. I was curious if you had any advice for people, parents, whoever, who who Mm -hmm. need help and support in setting those boundaries with um, loved ones in their lives. Absolutely. And and we could talk about this topic for hours because motherhood is intergenerational. Parenthood is intergenerational. When you become a parent, you've already been a child. You've already been through this experience from the other side. Um, even if your parents were not in your life, you know, you know that you had parents and there's a relationship there. So there's a history. There's a whole universe of people who are going to have feelings around the you're bringing your baby into the world. But that's just their story. You're not responsible for that. You're not responsible for helping them find their identity in grandparenthood or make up for the lost time from, you know, their own missing out on something else or wanting to be included or you're the daughter and your other siblings are boys and you're the you're this is the only opportunity for your mom or your mother-in-law to be in like in a 
female-oriented birth. It is not your job. That is their story. And, you know, they're entitled to all, all sorts of feelings about what they want from their relationship with this new child and their relationship with you. But that's their stuff. And it really has nothing to do with you. Your job is to take care of your child and yourself and hopefully also take care of your other relationships, your partnership, your friendships, and other parts of your life, like your work, your health. So that's a full-time job, taking care of a baby, yourself, and your other most intimate relationships that support you. How the, the wider circle of your family, their needs around the birth of your child are just simply not your problem. And there may be an overlap in terms of what you need and what they need. But if there isn't, that's on them to figure out because this is your story. And I think that gets very confusing for people. Like, whose story is this? If, if, if you are a mother having a child, it's your story. And if you're the primary caretaker of that child, it's your story. And it, they're just isn't enough time in the day to take care of yourself and your child. <laughs> so you really can't take on taking care of other aspects of other generations. Um, that's, that'll be, that'll be for you to do when, when your daughter has a baby and you may be given boundaries, you know, and not allowed in, that'll be your time to reflect Gosh, on what that's like. I hadn't thought about that. I wish that. you could see Kate's face right now. <laughs> My children setting boundaries with me. <laughs> That would, I hope, gosh, I hope I mean, I've but, endowed them with the ability to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Exactly. That's what you want. Yes. You want them to yeah. say, hey, um, this is, that was your life. That was yep. your motherhood. This is my, this is my life. And I feel solid enough as an adult to do this without you and to tell you, go live your life, go have your feelings, you know, but, but that's the goal. You know, the bittersweet goal of parenthood is to equipped your child with enough love and support so that they can fly around freely in the world, knowing that you're there, feeling that secure attachment, but not needing you, yeah. not needing you in order to be their best selves. And, you know, that's, it's really about the evolution of boundaries. And so when you're an adult having your own child, you're at a phase where the evolution of your boundaries need, needs to really be fostering your independence. Um, and, and taking care of yourself the best way you need um, to support that independence and support your child. You you have a, an episode of your podcast called Setting Boundaries with a Toxic Grandparent. Um, so. Yep, I was just <laughs> thinking about that. Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about your podcast and kind of what you've yeah, been doing with sure. it? Sure. Sure. I mean, it's so I, I love having an opportunity to talk both about the book and the podcast. So thank you, because it's so different, right? Like I'm giving you a speech about boundaries, but it's very different when it's actually coming out in someone else's life story. And, you know, things can feel clear in a therapist's office and then be quite murky as soon as you set foot out the door. Yes. And, and and so I think the podcast honors that the podcast honors how these basic things we all know, like you should take care of yourself. You should have healthy boundaries with your extended family. These basic things we all know are so complicated to put into practice because they unfold in our kaleidoscope of our emotional lives and things get really confusing when you're living inside your own head. <laughs> so 
I sit down with women and, and, and mostly listen to their stories about the things that they're struggling with. This woman on the, the setting boundaries episode um, had a tough dad who sort of was in and out of her life in her own childhood. She had figured out how to have some um, boundaries with him um, and, and, and had kind of a separate life um, before her, her daughter was born. But then when the baby came, he sort of swept, swooped in and really wanted to reconnect and be involved again. And she felt guilty about sort of maintaining those boundaries that had worked for her because she was depriving her father of a relationship with a grandchild. But, you know, we, we really just most simply talked about how she was the conduit between her father and her daughter, um, Mm. that, that the baby wasn't her grand, his grandchild without her. And that she basically needed to take it one step at a time and figure out how those three parts worked for her. And if there was a moment to have her father in her life, what would, in a way that did not distract from her own well-being, what would that look like? And, um, but there's, again, this, I think that that episode really is about like, it's almost like a bad daughter episode. (laughs) She's like, Mm. am I being a bad daughter? If I tell my dad, I I really am not ready to have him over and play with the baby. And like, what does that mean? What does a bad daughter mean? If you've learned that having space for your dad is better for your mental health and well-being and gives you more bandwidth to give your daughter, your own child, then what's bad about that? Maybe that's called being a good daughter. Maybe it's called, you know, taking your father's neglect and um, inadequate parenting and making lemonade out of it and saying, like, I'm going to have a healthy life in spite of the inadequacies of the way you raised me. Um, And part of that is keeping boundaries with you. (laughs) So it's a it's a lovely conversation that really, I think, gets into the gray of this very topic. And um I love to hear feedback from people about the episode. So, you know, if that episode resonates with you, please, please let me know. I I think there are just so many different stories on any like spoke in this wheel, but you know, your relationship to to your own parents when they become grandparents and the the complicated emotions come up. I mean, we could have our own podcast just on that. Yeah. (laughs) So, so I, I, I love to hear how people are impacted by these stories, how they relate and how, and how they contrast. Um, and, and I think it's a, it's, it's a very intimate, special thing to be included in these conversations. I feel so fortunate that these women have volunteered to talk to me. And I think listeners feel that way. I think it's really like a privilege to be listening to these conversations. And I think, um, I think it's a moving experience for, for listeners too. Well, Alexandra, it has been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, again, we loved your book and we love your podcast and we know that our listeners will get a lot out of it also. So where can they find you? If yeah. They want to learn more. So you can find about all my different projects at alexandrasaxmd.com. Um, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can look up motherhood sessions. It's put out by Gimlet media, but it's on all the platforms. And the book is called What No One Tells You, A Guide to Your Emotions from Pregnancy to Motherhood. Um, on Instagram, I'm Alexandra Sachs, MD, and I am on that community every day interacting with mothers and trying to foster more honest motherhood unfiltered sharing mm-hmm. to, to have this this supportive platform that anyone can go at any time. Um, and that's really taken on a life of its own. Thank you again. Yeah. So... Dory. Yes, Kate. Last week, you set out the intention of starting to figure out your weekly schedule and how you are going to write this book. Yes. Um, 
I have started to figure out my weekly schedule. I feel like I'm getting onto more of like a rhythm. It's helped that you and I now like we record on Mondays and Wednesdays. Yeah. Like those are our days. Only took us a year and a half to figure out. I know. Figure this out. I know. And I think for so long we were like, but guests. And now we're just like, we tell guests like we record on Mondays and Wednesdays. It has really, it has really helped streamline things. Yes. Um, And then you and I have been working together on Tuesdays, which has also, I think, helped give me some structure. Um, So that's been really great. Great. I'm glad to hear it. So thank you for doing your part. Same for me. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so now I'm just kind of figuring out the other part of it. But I feel like now I have a good sort of foundation. And then in terms of this week, you know, I really struggled with coming up with an intention for for this week. I do feel like I'm a little bit on like, I, I no longer feel like I'm in survival mode exactly. But it, I do feel a little overwhelmed right now. Mm. Um, so maybe my intention is to try to just like be honest with myself about what I can handle. I love that. Thanks. That's a good lesson for all of us. Thank you. Um, I'm actually laughing to myself because I realized I didn't write an intention either. I wrote, well, I half did it. You just wrote whether you'd completed your intention. Okay. I think my, I, I do think I know what I was trying to do and I just didn't write it out here. Okay. Well, we should tell everyone what your intention last week was. So. My intention last week was to clean my bedroom like a teenager must do. Yes. You remember what your bedroom looked like as a teen? Oh, God, yes. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. There's just stuff everywhere. Yes. And so that is honestly how I still live. I'm not a particularly organized person. So I half did it. Mm -hmm. But you know when you half do something, it almost makes it worse. Yeah. So... I need this week. I need to follow through and complete this organization purge of my bedroom. Okay. Because I want, I really love when our bedroom is a calm space, not a space where like a pile of my clothes are in the corner and then like an old granola bar is on the floor and then the dog finds it. You know, like that's where I'm, that's where I'm at right now. So if I can commit to fully, Finishing cleaning my room, I will have. This is a two week intention, but I've got to get it done. You got to do it. So here I am back to commit. Okay. Well, I look forward to checking in with you about this next week. So do I. Listeners, I want to repeat any intention setting, let us know. Yeah. Hit us up on the jeans or the veams. Zap us on the veams. Ew. <laughs> Sounds, Sounds gross. A little sexy. <laughs> uh, the Veeams would be the voicemail, 781-591-0390. And the Jeems, of course, is our email, forever35podcast at gmail.com. Wait, can I interject? We received a listener email, and they wrote out Jeems. And I then know. in the email asked if they spelled it right. It's very sweet. And I would say, I don't know how you spell Jeems. In my mind, it's G-E-E-M-S. Okay. I think this listener had a G-E-M-E-S. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In my brain, it's just G-M-S. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> Listeners, how do you spell <laughs> jeans when you hear us say it? Uh, or do you want us to stop saying it? <laughs> we probably won't. Um, you can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash forever35podcasts. And the password there is serums. 
And we greatly appreciate when you leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts, when you tell friends about our show, which we get a lot when we meet people. We met two listeners and one had the friend who introduced them to Forever 35 recently. It's, yeah, it's the best. And of course, if you like us, we love a, a shout out on social media. And a reminder that all the products uh, and everything else that we mention is always on our website, forever35podcast.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at forever35podcast and on Twitter at forever35pod. And of course, Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dory Schiffrier and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. And Lane Hammer is our assistant. Bye. Bye.